Esther chapter 4, would you go there with me in the word of God? Esther chapter number 4. Let's dive back into our study in the word of God. Thanking God for dad standing in the pulpit last Wednesday night. And I trust you in your place. Thank God that the word of God is not bound. Amen. So appreciate that you can be assured of the fact that when you come here, regardless of who's here, the word of God is going to be preached. And that's a good starting point on picking a church. Amen. Where I'm going to get the word. You want to go to a restaurant where you're going to get fed. Amen. And you don't want to just get fed anything. You don't want to get fed good food. I don't know about you. I don't care how good it is if it looks nasty. Oh, you just got to taste it. You got to taste it. You gotta, don't, don't pay no attention to what it looks like. Just got to taste it. Once you taste it, listen, listen, presentation has something to do with it. Amen. So we can't just get up here and wing the word of God. Get up here and just say what we want to say. And, you know, the Holy Spirit, just figure it out. Food must be prepared properly. So we study and prepare the word of God and deliver it in a way that's practically profound, educationally energetic, right? Diplomatically direct, all right? We want to uh, preach the word of God so that the, the smartest theologian in the crowd can understand it. And someone walks into church that's never been in a church before can understand it. Amen. Line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, giving the word of God as it's been given to us, expositionally, verse by verse, what God said, what God said, what God meant, and how we can apply it to our lives today. Amen? And that, that's what we want to do here at Crossroads Baptist Church. At the point in which we don't, we've ceased to be a Bible-believing, Bible-preaching church, and we might as well shut down. Amen? So as long as we're in session, let's make sure we're feeding hungry people the word of God. Now, we have finished chapter number three, last time, I believe. Let's look at several verses in chapter number four. We, we're really heating up. Everybody say heating up. All right, it's, it's, it's getting intense here. I mean, up to this point, we're, we're kind of sailing along and we, we're in a happy place right now, right? Esther's made it in the palace. She's pretty. She's pure. She's prepared. Now she's queen. Everything's good. And uh, just like life, just when things are going well, the devil shows up. Can I get a witness? That's just how he is. And so we must be prepared for that. That's why you got to be learning those lessons when the good times come. So you hold on to them when the bad times come. You don't learn to walk with God in the valley. You learn to walk with God in the mountaintop, and when the valley comes, you just keep on doing it. Amen. Let's find out if these, these, these happy characters have learned anything, and maybe their learning will teach us a thing or two. When Mordecai perceived all that was done. Interesting phrase. We'll talk about that just a little bit. Mordecai rent his clothes put on sackcloth with ashes, went out into the midst of the city and cried with a loud and bitter cry. Hmm. And came even before the king's gate. Watch it now. For none might enter into the king's gate clothed 
with sackcloth. That's what they say. Huh. And in every province where the sword of the king's commandment and his decree came, there was great mourning among the Jews and fasting and weeping and wailing. And many lay in sackcloth and ashes. Here's what I like about preaching through books of the Bible, preaching through passages of Scripture. When you preach through topics, and every preacher at some point has dealt with the book of Esther, most would dive into Esther chapter number 4, who knoweth thou art come to the kingdom for such a time as this, we dial in for such a time as this. The joy of preaching through passages expositionally is all these verses that never get any airtime in these topical messages, they get looked at in detail. And so everything we talk about in chapter number four makes more sense when we properly study chapters number one, two, and three. That's why you need to read the whole Bible, okay? Don't just say, I got a whole copy of the Bible. You need to read the whole copy, okay? If you wrote the whole letter to you, you need to read the whole letter. And I'm just telling you, the passages that you love in the Bible become even more significant when you will read the other passages surrounding them. Context provides so much of a wealth to Scripture. So we're going to look at these several verses which would not customarily be a passage of Scripture that we'd preach on. I believe it will help us. Paul was really making sense when he said to Timothy, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Him tell you, the verses you don't enjoy reading are still profitable. <laughs> Amen. Father, bless the word, not mine, yours. You didn't ask me to come up with the ingredients. You just asked me to put them together and serve them properly. Feed the flock, Peter said. Now, Lord, as your vessel cleanse me of sin, it do me of self and fill me with your spirit. Bless now the preaching and teaching of the word of God. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. God is working. Come on now, Wednesday night crowd. God is working. That means even when you can't see it, he's working. Even when you can't see him, he's working. Even when you can't feel him, he's working. He never stops. He never stops. He never stops working. Don't dance to it on Sunday and deny it on Monday. He never stops working. You got to tell yourself that. You don't have to tell God to work. You got to tell yourself to remember he's working. He's working. It's working. You fall into depression because you convince yourself of a lie. God's not working. God's done with me. Nothing's happening. It's discouraging. I can't seem to get out of this run. That's a lie. And this God is not the son of man. God is not a man that he should lie. Neither the son of man that he should repent. So if you get a lie, you didn't get it from God. So if it didn't come from God, send it back where it came from. He never stops working. We walk by and not by. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. By, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by things that do not appear. Amen. We must understand by faith. How do I know that God created the world if I wasn't there? I accept it by faith. I take the word of the only one that was there. In the beginning, God. So I have to accept that by faith. Whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So we have to understand that without faith, verse 6, Hebrews 11, it is impossible. Everybody say impossible. 
not improbable, not highly unlikely, not tough, not in rare form. It is impossible to please God without faith. If you lack faith, you are unequivocally a bad Christian. We need it. It's, it's, it's impossible to navigate this Christian life without faith because there's too much that God is going to do that you will not see. And unless you believe what you cannot see, you will not serve God. And that's why many quit. They stop seeing. They stop serving. And I ask you a question. If not seeing means not serving, then how in the world did you get saved? You had to get saved by faith. For by grace are you saved through it takes faith to get saved, and it takes faith to act like you saved after you get saved. You must trust the one who's given you salvation. I know whom I have believed. Not in whom, not about whom, not on whom. I know whom I have believed. I'm, able, I know, I'm persuaded he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. If God is faithful enough to keep my soul, he is faithful enough to direct my path. I've got to believe it. So God is working. He's working through an eastern power that doesn't know him. Wait a minute. God can work when heathens are in charge. Say amen. He's working despite the leader has excessive pride. God can work even when people are full of themselves. Say amen. Yes, he's working in the midst of an existential problem. The queen has been fired. That's a big deal. The king needs a queen. God can work even when problems look too big to overcome. Somebody say amen. He's working. He's working. He's working through an exact placement. God has a reason to have you where he has you even in the midst of the storm because the storm is positioning you to be placed somewhere that is God's destiny. You have to believe that circumstances don't knock God off his mark. He never wakes up and goes, oh man, that wasn't in my plan. What am I going to do now? He has foreseen the storms and trials and tests and tribulations and adversity in your life and nothing the world, the devil, the flesh, and anybody else do are going to is going to mess up what God does he can take you in the midst of Persia and put you in the palace you got to believe that I work this crazy job nobody likes me the boss don't like me the co-workers don't like me the pay ain't good enough I hate it every single day God can still put you on the top you got to believe that you got to believe that because we walk by and God is working behind the scenes the exact placement now this placement puts Esther in the palace, and while she gets in the palace, a whole bunch of mess goes on, and, and we're going to watch, in the middle of this, we're going to watch this evil plot start to develop. What happens? Esther's in the palace, but while she's in the palace, the king is going to promote someone second in command over all of the land, and his name is anybody? Haman. Everybody say Haman. Not hangman, but Haman. And he might as well be nicknamed hangman before it's all over. Can I get a witness? Because he's going to hang, man. But he's not hanging now. Hey, listen. Hang in there with, long, hang in there with God long enough so he can hang the right man. He's in charge. This is where some Christians tap out. 
I'm, I'm done now. I, I, it, was, it was getting good. It was getting good. Here I am. I'm, I, I, I'm up in the palace. Things are going well. And now all of a sudden, he promotes Hank. See, I knew it wasn't good. I knew something was bound. I knew my luck was bound to take a turn. For, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. God just brought me up here to this palace just to get destroyed. Listen to me. You've got to keep your faith even when something happens unexpectedly with your foes. How fast does it take? How quick does it occur for you to go from happy to sad? It's just praise the Lord, hallelujah. Now it's oh me, oh how. When you got promoted, it was hallelujah. When somebody else gets promoted, it's oh my. Is God still in charge? You gotta believe that. So here comes Haman. He gets put in a an unthinkable position, and how in the world could 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 Ahasuerus even think to let this guy? He doesn't know any better. He puts he puts Haman in charge, and Haman starts scheming right away. And as soon as he gets in there, he starts doing things that are absolutely crazy. He's a ridiculously promoted person. He gets ready patronizers that buy into his authority. He gets refused participation from the one Christians. Only one about one person that's got guts to not bow to this crazy man. And if you think Christianity is going to ever be the majority in a wicked world before Jesus comes back, you better wake up and smell something. So stop looking for a crowd to serve God. You're not going to get a crowd. God is going to use a remnant until the trumpet sounds. You have to just determine to be on the outcasts. You have to be determined to be on the outcasts. You have to be determined to be in the minority if you're going to live for God. You will never be in the popular crowd living for God until God weeds the world out of sin. So I'm just telling you, if you can't stand resistance, if it's too hot and you can't handle the kitchen, you signed up for the wrong team. So... Mordecai refuses the participation and he gets repeatedly probed for it. The reporting provocation goes to Haman about him. Haman's a raging person. He finds out this guy won't bow down. He finds out this guy happens to be a Jew. It's bad enough he won't bow. Now he's a Jew. Now I hate Jews because the one person that wouldn't bow was a Jew. So I hate everybody. It's like the person wouldn't bow. <laughs> you didn't know you were representing everybody that looks like you when you act like a Christian. Some people can't stand Christians because you told them their sin is wrong, so now they hate all Christians. They're wrong. You're right. And don't let their foolishness knock you off of your righteousness because their wickedness seems more intimidating. Don't let anybody scare you out of a biblical principle because you're the only one that espouses to it. Okay? I've known Christian people say, well, I don't really know if I believe that anymore because it's not going over well with the world. Jesus was killed for what he believed in, but he got up. There are a whole lot of people that lived for foolishness. They died, they stayed down. So the reckless passion, the routine process, the, they're going to pick, cast lots, almost like picking straws to decide when the Jews are going to be killed. He puts together a law, let's kill all of the Jews. He gets the king to sign it. He's revealed his prejudice. He rigs his proposal. This king makes a royal proclamation and gives him authenticated demonstration of it, allocates disbursements to it. Now, the king is behind him. Haman's got this evil plot, and he's convinced the king to be behind him. The king's not even evil. That's what evil people do. Evil people talk people that aren't evil into listening to them. Some of the smartest people in the world are evil, and they can convince ignorant people that their evil plan is not a big deal. 
This is what the king is doing. He's stamping this, putting his ring down, giving Haman all the authority. He doesn't even know he's ordering the demise of a people who happen to be the people to whom his wife belongs. That's how you know he didn't mean it. No man would say kill them all if he knew that the all included his queen. That's why you got to be careful who you run with. Somebody smiling, you putting your arm around, you might be leading you right into foolishness. You say, oh, he's a great person. He ain't a great person. He's a devil. That's what Haman was. And the king is giving him a decree. And, and this story is looking really, really bad for the Jews, isn't it? But I want to remind you, God is still doing what working behind the scenes. Yeah. And so he articulates this decree and gives an awful declaration about it, accelerates the dissemination about it, sends it around to the whole area, signs letters. The restricted pleasure about this is, though, that the king and Haman are only people celebrating. That's how we end the chapter, verse 15. The kings and Haman sit down to drink. They're toasting. Watch this now. They're toasting to the fact that the Jews have been ordered to be destroyed. Right? They're engaged in pleasure, and the rest of the town is going through perplexity. It's amazing what evil people rejoice about. Godly people mourn over. And that's the way it's supposed to be. When you don't know the Lord, you get happy about the wrong stuff. When you do know the Lord, you get angry about the wrong stuff. Stuff that's wrong ought to anger the people of God. And let's watch it now in chapter number four. Just a few thoughts before you go home. Write down the engaged perception. This is Haman. We've just, we've just witnessed an evil plot. And now we're going to watch an engaged perception. Would you get this tonight? It is imperative for the people of God to make sure that while the world is devising evil plots, we are engaging our perception. Here's what I'm saying. It's important, folks, that while Satan is pushing forward his agenda, you are not clueless. Okay? Here, here's, here's what scares me. That Satan is, is bobbing and weaving and the people of God are drinking the Kool-Aid. Now, Mordecai. Engaged perception. I say engaged perception. Not just perception, but engaged perception. In other words, he knew what was happening and did something about about it. God give us Christian people who will know what is happening and do something about it. In your school, on your job, in your neighborhood, in your generation, in your community, in your world, see what Satan's doing and do something about it. There is never an excuse for a child of God to be aware of wickedness and do nothing. So just a thought tonight. Painful detection. When Mordecai perceived all that was done. Come on, let's look at scripture. What did he perceive? He perceived Haman's come up with the law. The king has agreed that the law is decreed. Letters have gone around to everybody that the Jews will be killed. And Haman, a Jew himself, perceived it all. Can I ask you a question, Christian? This is not deep, but I think it's pertinent for tonight. There are laws going on in America. Have you perceived them? Well, I don't really follow politics. You better follow politics when it affects your principles. 
You don't have to, you listen, you don't have to be addicted to CNN or Fox News or MSNBC, but you better know when laws are coming out that are leading people to defy this book. And you also better know when there's an agenda that personally is set out to destroy you and your family. Listen to me, there's stuff going on in our world that is launched intentionally to be an attack on the home, an attack on the church, attack on morality, attack on marriage, attack on modesty, attack on this manual called the Word of God. And the problem is there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and a whole bunch of Christians who have not perceived it all. God give us some Mordecai's in 2023 who, when the world puts forward wicked agendas, actually perceive what's going on. Painful detection. Notice the prompted dismay. Ran his clothes, put on sackcloth and ashes, went out in the midst of the city, cried with a loud, bitter cry. This is the thought I want you to go home with. Here's the thought from the pastor tonight. What does wickedness make you do? What does wickedness make you do? There's a reaction. Listen, this is not a reaction that Mordecai rehearsed. This is not a reaction that somebody told Mordecai to do. He didn't get a sign. Listen, when he found out about foolishness going on, instinctively, this is how he reacted. Here is a good litmus test of your godliness. Your godliness reveals itself by how it reacts to ungodliness. Let me say that again. You are only as godly as how you adversely react to ungodliness. If I were, if, if I were pastoring you tonight, oh, I am. Uh, here's what I'd ask you. I'd ask you this. I don't want to ask you, do you cuss? I want to ask you, what does cussing do to you? I want to ask you if you drink. I want to ask you, what does being around a bunch of drinkers do to you? Preach, pastor. I don't ask you if you party. I'm just asking you, what do you do when you get around some partiers? I'm asking you if you gamble. I'm just asking you, do you hang around with gamblers? See, I've always been amazed by Christians who says, I go, but I don't participate. Yes, you do. You have to take a sip by watching them sip and being in attendance with no objection. You might as well be sipping. I didn't say anything. I didn't say nothing. Don't put my name in it. I ain't say nothing. They did all the talking and I was there. If you congregate around gossipers and say nothing, you have said something by saying nothing because no objection to a gossiper is perceived as agreement with his discord. Preach, pastor. God, give us some Mordecai. I'm telling you what's happened in America. What's happened in America is the stuff that used to get Christians to put on sackcloth and ashes doesn't have a mourning anymore. We used to grieve foolishness. We used to flinch at sin. Morality used to bother us. When people said things that were disrespectful in front of women, it used to phase us. When cussing used to go on, on a Christian used to jump. When the wrong music used to be played, Christian people used to be grieved. And now we listen to it so much, we're like, what's the big deal? That's just the way the world... You better go to your go to your closet, get out your sackcloth and ashes, put it in the cleaners and get ready to use it. Because if you really love God, you'll learn how to hate sin. And, and we'll talk about it next week. He not only put on sackcloth and ashes, 
but he wore it where everybody could see it. And he's not making a scene. He's not doing what Jesus told us not to do when we fast and disfigure. No, 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 no. Here's what he's saying. I'm not a real Christian if I'm afraid to display my disapproval for foolishness. And while I'm at it, let me just throw this at you. If you're one of them Christians has just made up your mind, you ain't going to make a fuss about foolishness. Fine, don't. But stop getting on the nerves of people who do make a fuss about it. Why you always got to complain about stuff? What's the big deal? I mean, you always got to come. Don't get mad because a Christian person says, I'm Christian and I don't like that. I don't like how it sounds. I don't like how it looks. I don't like how it feels. I don't like how it seems. Shh, I don't want you around. You keep messing up everything. Keep messing up your carnality. We can't keep. We c- <laughs> Look, you know what happened in 2023? What year is this? Whatever year it was, it should have been happening. Whatever you write in your checks, ass, this needs to happen in that year. We need, to happen. we need this year, this year. We need some Christians to bust out of the witness protection plan and admit they're Christians. You've been in hiding too long. I don't know about, I'm a Christian, but don't let nobody know. Shh. Don't tell them I'm a Christian. They won't invite me nowhere. Don't tell them I'm a Christian. They're going to treat me wrong. Don't tell them I'm a Christian. They're going to laugh at me. I'm glad that that's not the way Jesus talks to the Father, the book of Hebrews. He's not ashamed to call us brethren in heaven. We shouldn't be ashamed to call him Lord on earth. We're not grieved anymore. We're We're not grieved anymore. It is our love for God that makes us loathe sin. This is Mordecai. There's nobody directing Mordecai. Come in, Mordecai. Hit your note. Oh, no, 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 no. When he perceived, he put on the sackcloth. The moment he found out this devil trying to kill our people, he was dismayed about it. Let's stop taking a casual, nonchalant approach to the plots of Satan. Social media, Hollywood, the attack on marriage, what's happening through this hip-hop music, which affects the minds of our children, what's happening through carnality that's infiltrating churches. Let's stop going, oh, well, you know, it ain't a big deal. Let's get like Mordecai. This is an attack to destroy us as a people, and somebody got to put on some sackcloth and ashes. Because we're going to find out next week. It's Mordecai's mourning that spurned Esther to do something about it. He wasn't in the palace. Sometimes you got to get distraught outside the palace so it will travel inside the palace to somebody who can actually do something about it. Father, thank you. We love you. We bless you. We magnify you. Pray just a moment. Pastor, would you pray for me tonight that God would work on my heart to have a 
a stronger brokenness about sin and foolishness and things that are destroying us. Pray for me. Years ago, I had a, a mom say to me, well, my son's going to do it anyway. I might, I might as well give him what he needs to protect himself. That didn't go over well. That was 25 years ago. More than that. Hey, listen. I'm going to try and tell you act a fool. I'm just telling you. If, if this stuff doesn't grieve us, how in the world can we really say we love God? Sometimes I see people out in public. I'm just being honest. I, I, I think about where our world is gone. I think about how hard it is as a father to, to even think about who you want to marry your daughters. And sometimes you look at the way some of these people carry themselves out in public and your first thought is, where is the daddy that cares? That's grieved. Where's the husband that's grieved? Where's the parents that are grieved? Some stuff that goes on in churches. Where's the pastor that's grieved? Where are the people that are grieved? I know where Haman is. He's all over. I know where everybody bowing down to. They're everywhere. I've seen a bunch of Hazaruses. They're everywhere. Where is Mordecai? You be him, would you? I need to be him. Thank you, Lord. Work in our hearts. May we be provoked to love and good works tonight. And we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name.